Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge tourist guys. Why are you giggling already? Because you gave a a pause as if to say like, why why have you chosen that voice? You are using your telephone (laughs) announcer voice. (laughs) Where were we? I don't know. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast. And on our websites, (laughs) guideemily.com and alexlacey.com as well as our dedicated website, ladieswholondon.com, which has been updated and you can now go and register your interest to come on the live podcast uh, on the 15th of August, is that the right day? August sometime, and you can get the link, so go and do it now! Live, 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 live. As well as other things and all it. that stuff, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, We're doing it. yeah. We're doing it. We're doing it, 100th episode. What episode, yes. where are we now? Is this 94th? Uh, 94th. Weeks? Yeah. We still don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> No idea. <laughs> no idea. We're going to make it up as we, we go along. we will have a little Zoom party and there might be a little bit of history there, but a lot yeah, of gonna, we, we are going to record the full podcast episode, but there will probably be little bits of extras for those who are coming along. There will be some other stuff. We've got, we've got things up our sleeves, so you will have a podcast at the end of it, but if you're coming along to watch the live podcast, then there will be other things alongside it. I don't know if I've actually other told things. you about my ideas. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe I haven't told you about mine. Oh. There will be, um, well, it's a bit of a mystery. <laughs> but Most of am I allowed to say games? Y- yes. Can we have a game? Yes. Just one game. Games. Okay, great. Games. Games. At least one. <laughs> At least one. Okay, that would be exciting. And uh, guests. There will be guests. Guests. Games. Oh, my. Golly gosh. They might, they might even wait. That. Who knows? Who, <laughs> Who knows? knows? But please come, basically. Please come. Please come. Please come. Because otherwise it'll be quite sad. <laughs> it will be. Oh my God, Alex, if we're on Zoom and there's just like us and. It's me and you people. and Lee and Fiona, and that's, that's it. <laughs> oh, well, I think at that point we'll go, do you know what? Let's just call it a day. Yeah. We'll, we'll end on a bang. Well, yeah, exactly. end on a... that's it. We won't do any more podcasts after that. Yeah. 100 exactly. and out, 100 and done. 
yeah, yeah like, <laughs> come like back on the like next episode like, nobody turned up so this is our last ever episode yep <laughs> um but so anyway talking about um episodes what we what, what no well before we start this episode any shout outs um i do have a couple of shout outs actually bear with me as i run into our little message box so um we did actually have a message from Marae. Um, she Hi, is our Aussie listener, and we have actually given her a little shout out before, but she finally listened to it. She said, Hi, ladies. OMG. I finally <laughs> caught up to the episode. I got a shout out. That's bloody amazing. I'm so chuffed. Thank you from your loyal Aussie listener, Marae. You can have another one, Marae. Hello. You can have another one. Hello. So that was very nice. And we also had a lovely message from Curtis who said, Hi, Emily and Alex. Was listening to last night's episode on Crystal Palace from my flat in Crystal Palace of all places oh, and better. heard Emily mention... Yeah. Heard Emily mention that few spots have opened up on the Biscuit Factory tour and I'm interested. Ah. Um, so with that, Curtis, I think we are actually at full capacity now but a few people have asked so I'm going to do a second date yay so um yay <laughs> so the first date is the, yeah, the 17th of September so I'll put out on next week's pod what the other date is and then if you can make that you can let me know fabulous Sounds do you have cool. any shout outs um not this week I have mostly been beavering away in my own little sort of office of doom um (laughs) so no i haven't really been uh engaging with anyone lately i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) office of doom just just beavering away beavering away but we're we're through june we're through june yay we're through june we have just entered july yes is no no less busy so uh no woo but anyway no we are we're going we're we're, we're alive we're carrying on so that's good yeah carrying on so, um, before we head on to the podcast, uh, podcast pedestal of last week. Yes, we spoke about the Foundling Hospital. Well, you told us all about it. Very sad story, but very important story. And actually, one of our listeners went down there this week. Uh, Susan, Susan Thompson went down. Uh, Thompson? No. Townsend. Susan Townsend. There we go. <laughs> you won't get it right. Townsend. Tamsin. sorry susan just absolutely massacring <laughs> your name there um uh went down there and had a little look at the museum and it is it is lovely isn't it and uh she sent us a photo of old uh, tc himself thomas corham mm. down there thank you which so much I, i'm there. so sorry i couldn't put up on my instagram i'm having a, a few problems at the moment with good old insta it's blurring all of my pictures so i can't put anything up at the moment <laughs> Just a bit annoying. Otherwise, I would have reposted that, Susan. So I'm so sure. So so sorry about that. But we will get onto that. But yes. So, yes. Um, what were our podcast pedestal choices for last week? So, do you want my choice or your choice? Let's go for your choice first. My choice was good old TC himself, wasn't it? It was Thomas Coram because yeah. without him and his dedication and passion to want to do good in the way of children, the Family Museum and Hospital would never have existed. So I went for TC. TC. Is that a boat going past your window at the moment? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Noisy, maybe. It's a good bit of flatulence. No, it's a boat. <laughs> uh, and my choice was the um, little tokens that the mothers used to give uh, mm. to the, the children in the hope that should they come back, uh, they would be able to be reunited with their children nice and easily, uh, which, mm. as we know of, only about two 
um, well, I say about only two, um, were able to come and uh, reclaim the kids. I mean, who knows? Maybe when the kids had grown up and were adults, they were able to find their parents, but um, or their mother at any rate. But um, while they were there, only two people. So quite heartbreaking, and a lot of you know a lot of love in one little uh, one little token. Mm. So, which way do you think it has gone this week? It's got to have gone in the direction of the tokens. It's what I wanted to to have. I wanted to put that on my pedestal, I have to say. It's such well, a lovely thing. It is a lovely thing, and you are right. It has gone in the way <laughs> of tokens. I am not surprised. It's so, so sweet. And to still have those that exist today, to think where yeah. is the other half, is just heartbreaking, isn't it? It is, but it's also quite lovely as well. And I quite like mm. that the um, the hospital did keep them. And even when they uh, stopped, you know, needing to, to use the tokens and they went to a sort of mm. receipt system, which sounds awful, but, you know, they did, um, that it was still kind of tradition that that's what, that is what would happen. So I, I really like that. Um, mm. So there we go. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for, for voting for my choice. Um, yeah, and I, I applaud it this week. Although, thank you very much all <laughs> for those who spent spent the time to vote for me in my choice. I do appreciate you. <laughs> but I, I do think the tokens is a very good choice. Yeah. Look at me patting you on the back. I uh, know, I know. I'm very grateful. Very grateful. <laughs> Only took 94 episodes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> very gracious of you. So, into this week's podcast, and where mm. are we going? So, um, I don't know if you remember, but last week, um, early, quite <laughs> no, do you remember yesterday, an hour ago? No, no. not really. Uh, well, last week we spanned the wheel and it landed on a completely new place. It's never landed there before, um, because I'd only kind of wrote it on the board that day. Um, Richmond. Yes. So, we're in Richmond. We are on the banks of the River Thames. We're in the 17th century, and I'm taking you and everybody else out there to Ham House. Which is a gorgeous little house. It is. It's beautiful. And you almost feel like it's in the middle of the countryside and not London. Because yeah. even though you've got the River Thames very close to it, you have the views of the park on the other side of the river. And then you have acres and acres of land around the back of the house. Mm. So even though you're in London, you feel like you really just in the countryside so it's a very special place and you've been there before haven't you yeah i went there well, probably about four or five years ago now with guests they really wanted to go somewhere sort of stately homish but not too far out of london and it's kind of like a mini stately home isn't it that one it is it's not gigantic and if you were to enter the house it doesn't take you too long to go through so there's a huge room kind of a reception room as soon as you go in which is just uh, just surrounded like the whole walls the whole entire place actually is just covered in amazing paintings and portraits and various things lots of furniture as well and then you go up the stairs and you've got a couple of floors quite a few rooms in the basements to discover and i would say it would probably take maybe half an hour to get around so it's not mm. huge yeah. it's not huge not a huge place um and in terms of getting to ham house it is a bit of a walk, but it's a really lovely walk. So if you were to get to Richmond Station, it would probably take about 25 minutes, half an hour-ish to walk there. But it's very easy to navigate, and you just basically follow the river, mm. and it will take you. And there's lots of sign, signs for Ham House as well. 
Um, so, would you like a little bit of history of this building? Yes, please! <laughs> well, you're going to get it. So, <laughs> Whether so you want to or not. <laughs> it is a building which dates back to 1610. And people knew about it. We know that John Evelyn, the diary writer, uh, said that it was better than many villas in Italy. Ooh. And actually, yeah, fighting you talk. see it, fighting talk, there are statues and busts and little kind of follies taking you to temples and you have this kind of Italian feel about it, but the house has its feet firmly in England. So although you have these kind of European touches, it's a very kind of English home at the same time. Um, it was connected to a quite an important person in the 1600s he was called William Murray mm. and I think you mentioned him at the end of our pod last week because he was educated with King Charles I yes so they were very very close to the point that in 1626 the king gave him this amazing home I mean that's a pretty amazing gift it's a very nice gift I've very never given nice you anything gift. that nice have I no, you have given me a fantastic necklace which Carmen chews on for teething, yeah. <laughs> which I still wear today. Which is it's really as good nice as a, as a stately home. <laughs> yeah, almost. Um, but as we know of King Charles I, um, we have the Civil War, and he eventually is uh, taken, pushed violently off the throne. And because. Spoiler, it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. But um, because William was so close to him and he was a royalist, he had to fight alongside King Charles I. And when this happened, he basically had to leave Ham House, leave his beautiful wife Catherine and the young family, basically, to look after the fort. We then, as you say, spoiler alert, know that King Charles I was executed, killed in 1649, 30th of January, 2pm. Gone. (laughs) We become Republic. (laughs) Off your pop, Charles. We become Republic. No more monarchy. Crown jewels melted down. We have Oliver Cromwell, who we've mentioned before. I think you refer to him as a fun sponge. Yes, I think Uh, I did. Or I think you said um, pants made out of barbed wire, wasn't it? Oh, uh, I think I stole that from Horrible Histories. As much fun as, yeah, barbed wire underpants. Barbed wire underpants. So, yes, so... During this time, if you had a building which was uh, gifted by the royal family or it had royal links, it was generally taken over by Cromwell. Mm. And Cromwell had Ham House in his sights and he would visit Ham House on a regular basis. But luckily, one person was there from the Murray family. And this was William Murray's eldest daughter, Elizabeth. So I'm assuming William Murray got the chop as well, did he? Um, I don't think he got the chop because eventually he did come back to the house oh, after so, the restoration. So no, then. Um, so no, uh, not the chop as such, especially, well, not during this time, maybe later, <laughs> <laughs> but certainly he survived during the, uh, well, during the restoration period. Um, so we have Elizabeth and Elizabeth, she got on very well, shall we say, with the Lord Protector, Oliver Cromwell. Um, it is said that she was a very charming young lady and she kind of knew how to work 
Cromwell. So he would Ooh. visit and probably initially charge in and be like, right, I'm going to take this down, change this, this is mine now. And she'd be there kind of, you know, curling a lock of hair or two and saying, why don't we sit down in the garden and have a cup of tea? <laughs> Ooh, was there a bit of hanky-panky, was there? A little bit of hanky-panky, but... Was it hanky-panky or was it just a move in the way of her kind of spying on him? Because oh. she was involved in something that was known as the Sealed Knot Gang. Oh, hello. Which I'll come to. Hello, Elizabeth, you cheeky <laughs> devil. Um, so just to say, um, this is a Scottish woman. She was the eldest of four daughters, okay. baptised in a church in Trafalgar Square, St Martin's in the Fields. And unlike a lot of girls during uh, the time of the early 1600s, she was actually given a full education. So she was very interested in literature, uh, interested in politics. Um, she knew um, members of the court and, you know, she was very up there. People knew of her okay. and people wanted to talk to her. She was referred to as a pretty witty lass. <laughs> um, and she married twice. Her first marriage was in 1648 to a man called Sir Lionel Tolmatch or March. Tolmatch, yes. Um, and they had 11 children, no less. What? 11 children, yes. Uh, five of whom um, lived to adulthood which was obviously quite normal during that time to lose uh, quite a few children especially if you were going to have 11 yeah, and okay. yeah when her father eventually died she inherited quite a few titles one of which i love this was lady hunting tower lady hunting tower yes it just sounds so kind of like yes come wow. on lady hunting tower you know it just sounds really uh really strong strong belly hunting tower <laughs> you think <laughs> i just love it i just want to keep saying it lady hunting tower <laughs> so weird oh dear so um we then march forward to this kind of idea of this sealed knot so she was a member of this secret gang and they were called the sealed knot this was a royalist association if you like mm. and it was basically created by king charles ii because when we have the downfall of king charles i oliver cromwell takes over yep. the son of king charles i who's also called charles thinks oh, i should be on that bloody throne i should be the one wearing that crown so he is pushing forward to have this restoration and uh, a group of people kind of get together and these are members of the royalist community you have people that have been gifted properties you have people like elizabeth um all sorts of um, various characters basically that are entwined in this uh, in this sealed knot gang and there were quite a few um battles and different kind of uprisings one of which was in 1659 which was brought about after the resignation of richard cromwell and he was the son of oliver cromwell yeah so cromwell dies in 1658 his son richard takes over and after a little while he's thinking this is way too much pressure on my shoulders goes into the houses of parliament and basically says sorry guys but i'm out you've got to find yourself somebody else so suddenly the sealed knot gang are thinking well here we go we've got an open window let's charge so a man called george booth um with the help of elizabeth tries to kind of like 
overthrow things, takes charge of various cities around the country, one of which being Chester. Other places get involved, such as Liverpool and Wrexham. But unfortunately, we have a, a bit of a downfall here. And a man called John Lambert defeats Booth near um, Northwich. And this is kind of known as the final battle of the Civil War. Mm. And it's just be- just before, of course, we have finally the, rest- the restoration in 1660, when the people in the House of Parliament think, OK, let's restore the monarchy. Let's get Charles II, Charles II on the throne. Um, Within this gang, we also have a man called Sir Richard Willis, and he was actually a double agent. So he was saying that he was on the side of King Charles II, but at the same time, he was working as a bit of a spy master for Cromwell. And uh, Elizabeth, she kind of was on to him. They would have these group meetings at Ham House, um, which is a bit kind of bit dodgy, knowing that Cromwell is going to kind of pop up here and there. Yeah. But I think because she had him quite close to her, maybe he didn't suspect what was going on. Hmm. Yeah, sort of hiding in plain sight, I guess, a little bit of, no, darling, not me. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, when Charles II was uh, placed on the throne and we restored the monarchy, he was obviously very pleased with Elizabeth's work and he gave her an annual pension of £800, nice. which in today's money is about 100000 like insane right amount. Okay, yeah, I was like, um, oh, thank you very much. Exactly, thank you very much. Her first husband now passes away, so he dies in France. She then becomes a mistress to a man called the Duke of Lauderdale. And he was the first Duke of Lauderdale, a man called John Maitland. And they were actually known as a bit of a power couple. They had lots of parties in Ham House. And it's at this point in the late 1600s when they start to employ lots of craftsmen around the continent to come into Ham House and work on the interior and also work on their beautiful garden. And one of the main uh, kind of things that really brings people to Ham House are the gardens and i'm gonna tell you a little bit about them in a moment you love a garden don't you i bloody love a garden (laughs) and this one is it's not huge but what they've done to it is just so pretty and they've tried to keep it in the theme of what it would have been like in the 17th century so in terms of garden history to see what a garden would have looked like if you went to a house in the 17th century and walk through the gardens to imagine what people would have seen and why uh, it would have looked the way that it does it's mm. quite interesting um so yes so we uh, eventually have uh, the duchess of lauderdale which is of course one of her titles what did i say her first one was <laughs> the tower oh i can't remember what i said now um, what did i say i've already forgotten it oh my what god was what was it you've forgotten it that doesn't bode oh, well hunting tower hunting That's tower <laughs> how could i forget So uh, just one of her titles, of course. So um, she was also known as the Duchess of Dysart um, and all sorts, the Duchess of Lauderdale. Anyway, she dies at the age of 72 and she is buried in Petersham Parish Church, which is just up the road, actually. And it stays within her family, the House of the Gardens, for about 300 years. And it was in the 1940s when it was taken over by the National Trust, which it still is today. 
So I just want to talk a little bit about what you would see if you walked up to the house and strolled around the gardens. Are you into that? Yes, very. Great. (laughs) Okay, so it is grade one, which basically means that the building has this kind of outstanding interest. And it is a Thameside property, which is how a lot of people that were visiting the property will have arrived. They would have arrived along the river um, to go and enjoy these wonderful parties. We um, had kind of like an upstairs, downstairs feel within Ham House. So um, you had the servants, for instance, that lived in the basements. And when you walk up to the building, you can see these kind of windows poking from the basements where they would have had their their quarters. You also had uh, a few domestic areas up in the attics as well, where the servants would work and where they would cook. You had tiny little windows. Today, the windows are quite large to let in a little bit more light. But back in the 17th century, large panes of glass weren't developed at this point. Well, in during this time, kind of as we head into the late 1600s, they're created in France. But when the house was first built, they were quite small. And to look at the building, you have these busts, these heads. There are actually... 38 of them and they're on the front of the building and they're also down the side walls along the front garden originally they were all along the walls but in the 19th century 16 heads were moved from the walls and placed onto the building and the heads are they almost kind of look like roman gods but you also do have a bust of king charles the first and also king charles the second yeah, it's got to keep. Got to make sure you know who the boss is, right? Exactly, exactly. And right in the middle, you kind of find this circular drive, which was added in in the nineteenth century. So that wouldn't have been there, and it was added around the time when you had these kind of carts that would have gone around the court and then headed back out. But originally, you had just one long path leading up to the door. Today, in the middle of this kind of circular drive, you have a statue made out of codestone, and it's of old Father Thames, the river god. Mm. And this is one of quite a few statues which are just so interesting to look at because it's just full of detail. Even his beard is just so amazing. There's so much movement in it, and I'm pretty sure there's a dolphin in there or two within the beard. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. Around the gardens, you also have a lot of topiary, so it's a little bit... It's got this kind of Alice in Wonderland feel about it. Yeah, it's really magical little garden, actually. It really is. It, uh, it is, yeah. And topiary would have been introduced in the 17th century, and it was basically a way of saying that man controls nature. So it was a way of kind of showing that even though nature is such a force to be reckoned with, actually, we can change it. I mean, this is how, you know, big-headed people were in the 17th yeah, century. I'm not sure that always holds out, but yeah, let's... No. <laughs> um, and one garden to the left of the house. So when you're looking at it, you're looking at the north side. And when you go around to the left, you enter this che- uh, cherry garden. And it was called the cherry garden, or still is today, because it was known for its cherry trees, which are no longer there. And just before you enter it, you go through this kind of arch, which almost looks like lime trees, but they're hornbeam. And hornbeams are a tree, which if you have a hornbeam opposite each other, 
they almost arch just naturally so mm. the the branches just hold hands with the one opposite Aww. so you get this kind of cathedral feel as you walk through especially this time of year because it's so luscious and you've got all the greenery and then you suddenly come into this walled privy garden privy private it is a place where elizabeth and her husband would have walked and known that nobody else would have been able to see them it was quite enclosed and what you have are these amazing bits of topiary which all look like um like pyramids and within the pyramids at the moment and well for the last kind of month or so is lavender and they plant 1200 lavender plants so as soon as you walk along this kind of this this hornbeam harbour as it's called you just instantly smell this waft of lavender and they use two types of lavender one is called sussex one is called anniversary bouquet um but when the lavender is gone they create i don't know how they create it but it almost looks like little green marbles and you have these kind of little kind of uh these round hedges like all bubbly and it reminds me of like um you know the adverts of aero where it's all kind of bubbly it's like that and it's it's known as a parterre and a parterre in a garden is a really beautiful pattern which was designed for you to be on the first floor or the second floor of a building and look down upon it so for instance if you go to Hampton Court Palace mm. and you're looking out the back windows you look down on this parterre where you're looking down on this incredible pattern that's been formed um, in the middle of this garden you do have a statue of Bacchus the right, wine god of, of course love a bit of Bacchus and we know that whenever you see Bacchus there's a bit of a party and uh, they dress this area up for lots of films and yeah. one film that they use this area for so they filmed in the garden then you have like the the backdrop of the house was uh, Victoria and Abdul you remember that yeah, movie? yeah that was a lovely Years film ago. Yeah, and actually last time I was there, I don't know what they were filming, but they closed part of the garden for filming. So they're always doing something there. Now, the South Terrace, so right at the back, is where you have um, lots and lots of gravel. And when I last went there, actually, I took Carmen. And if you are going to go there with a pram, oh, my (laughs) God, make sure you eat and drink and you're not hangry because I got really peed (laughs) off. I could not move the pram. (laughs) I was like, this is so lovely. You know, it's full of gravel. It's really pretty. But as soon as I started to move the wheels, it just got jammed. And I was just, my moment of like pure peace just turned into just aggression (laughs) for this garden. Um, But the gravel, it would have been there in the 17th century. And I don't know, I kind of thought that gravel was a new addition for gardens for some reason but no so no no it's something that you would have seen if you had the money because it was so expensive and actually there was a a huge gravel pit in richmond and they had a license to remove tons and tons of it and bring it to ham house but super uncomfortable in the 17th century because the shoes that you would wear Mm -hmm. um if you were a man you would have had these little hills so they would have kind of dug into the gravel and then if if you were wearing shoes as a woman in the 17th century 
they weren't very thick at the bottom so you almost had like a tiny little wafer uh, a thin piece of silk so you really would have felt every little nobble and bobble yeah, underneath your fabric, feet yeah they were fabric weren't they pretty yeah <laughs> not, not very um, sturdy no really really painful um, and when you're looking out at the South Terrace, you can see beyond into this kind of wild wilderness. And then you can also see beyond that and you can see a bit of the countryside. So it makes you feel like the grounds are much bigger than they actually are. Mm. And that is an illusion that a lot of gardens take on where they have these gardens within the countryside. And that's their perimeter. But the perimeter is open for you to believe that the outside of the garden is also theirs as well. Believe! believe come on believe <laughs> yeah that's ours over there um you have lots of beautiful potted plants which um today are not really full of huge trees just tiny little trees but originally you would have had a lot of fruit trees in there and if, if you've got fruit trees then again it's really showing your wealth mm -hmm. you know you would have had oranges and, mm -hmm. and lemons and all sorts so the smells would have been just absolutely incredible so then you move through going along all of this blooming gravel <laughs> as i tried with the buggy for ages and it was raining as well so i was just like oh my god um so <laughs> i had a great day yeah, sounds Went like it. to what is known as the wilderness and the wilderness you'd have this in your garden if you had money so it's where you would have lots and lots of trees you certainly would have had one at Vauxhall pleasure gardens which we spoke of a little while ago I think we mentioned and the it wilderness, was a... actually yeah maybe we yeah. did so it's a place where you would have kind of had, again, a little, a little bit of secrecy. Ladies tended to feel quite safe in the wilderness. So they would have kind of secret conversations and they knew that they could kind of be hidden. And down these little pathways, you can find these beautiful summer houses, which are in the round and they have this kind of Italian feel. The ones that are there now are 19th century, but mm -hmm. they are mock-ups of what you used to have. And if you sat in there, the original ones, you would have had some kind of servant who was there to rotate them. Ooh. So you had the summer houses where you would sit would have an opening, of course, to get in it. And if the sun was moving, then you could ask the servant to move you so the sun wasn't in your eyes. Or maybe you were bored with looking at a particular part of the garden, so you asked them to change it up a bit. Or maybe there was somebody that they could see coming down the path and they go, oh my God, George, move us, move us, move us. Move I us, can't let them see us. <laughs> move us, man, for heaven's sake. Um, and they would have been thatched as well. Today, if you go there, of course, you've got this kind of stone roof. Um, but they're very, very sweet. And again, kind of like you've got this kind of hidden, hidden little area. You then, like in most gardens in the 17th century, if you've got money, you have a kitchen garden. Uh, this is walled. And along the wall, you have all of these different fruit trees, uh, pomegranate and jasmine and they're Ooh, kind of lovely. tied up to the wall so they just kind of uh kind of arch out and spring all over the place and you can really smell them and of course oh, it changes every time you go there course, yeah. and in front of the kitchen garden you've got the orangery and they believe it to be one of the oldest surviving examples of an orangery oh, really? in the country mm. wow yeah and the windows are again really small and if you see a lot of orangeries 
today you know you've got glass everywhere because we know about photosynthesis but in the 17th century we didn't realize that plants actually needed light in order to survive <laughs> why would they need servants did so why why would the plants need anything <laughs> yeah exactly um so back in the day of course you would have had all sorts of fruit trees growing in there or trying to grow in there with no light <laughs> and today it is used as um the cafe and it's such a lovely place to sit and have a cup of tea and just look out on this garden where you've got all sorts of herbs and different fruits and vegetables which are used in the cooking of the cafe so oh, still today really, really pretty yeah still today oh, wow. absolutely still today um and I'll end it there. So that's a kind of a little tour around the garden for you. Um, and a little bit of info about her house. Amazing. Thank you so much. Am I right <laughs> thinking? And I might not be because I might have made this up completely. Wasn't William Murray Charles I's whipping boy? Yes. At some point he was. Yeah. And I think he was one of only a couple of people that could actually touch him. Because you tended oh. to have... Um, only a few people that had the right to touch the king. Yes. And I think he was one of those. Oh, very nice. If people I don't, don't know, know how he would touch him. But... I don't know, just gently, probably. Um, do you, uh, if people don't know what a whipping boy is, do you want to explain whipping boy am, or do you want me to? No, you go for it. All right, well, it's, it's quite a fun one. I mean, well, I say fun. It's not fun for the person who's involved, but it, it's quite an interesting <laughs> one, a bit of an insight into uh, yeah, the sort of um, previous eras. Um, kings, because like you say, you weren't allowed to touch royals, really. Um, when the royals were young, when they were being schooled and all that kind of thing, if they misbehaved, they would have their pretty much their closest friend who'd sort of grown up with them, who would get the punishment instead of them. So they were called the whipping boy. And it was basically supposed to be some kind of, you know, don't do anything naughty. Otherwise, your friend will get beaten, which is probably better than you getting beaten. So I'm not entirely sure how that is a... Uh, meant to put people off but yeah so he, he was his whipping boy because I think they, they were schooled together for a long time which would make sense that yeah that would make sense and could nice you and keep the same whipping boy do you think would could you, you or keep... could you if you had one whipping boy yeah did you have to always keep the same whipping boy I don't know I mean I guess you could probably if you fell out with them you could change or whatever but they tended to be somebody that you'd sort of grown up with and probably been nurseried with as well so they're almost like almost like a kind of brother but, yeah, but you know, but they would take hot. the fall for you. <laughs> Crucially, not take, royal. Take the rap for you. Yeah. So if you did something bad, they'd get whipped, and you had to sort of endure, I guess, the guilt. Which, I guess so. Yeah. I guess the guilt is better than the cane. I don't know. Yeah. Know. But yeah, weird, aren't they? People from the history. I wonder if that is because you've got the expression to take the rap. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because you'd say yeah. you take the rap for somebody else. So yeah. I wonder if that is a word that kind of relates to a time that they were being whipped. Could be. We might have to have a look into that one. Yeah. Oh. There we go. Anyway, Ham House. Fabulous. Thanks, Emma. And are you going there soon? Have you got plans to go there? Yes. <laughs> I'm actually ah. going there <laughs> on Monday. Ah. For work yeah. or pleasure? It's For July. Work. It's work. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. But you're there pretty regularly, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, I love Ham House. It's so beautiful. And as I say, it's it's about 25 minutes from Richmond Station, but um, it's well worth it. It's a lovely walk along the river. The you see so lovely. many boats and, yes, gorgeous. It's um, about £13 if you're wanting to go in. And with that, there are tours there as well that you can do, which are really good. 
and I think it is closed in the winter because I went once in the winter and they they're closed but you can do like little sort of tours around and it's um, I think we did one about all the you know how you kind of keep it and dust it and, and look after all the heritage there but yeah I think mm. in the summer you can um, it's a bit more flexible on what you can do um, yeah but it is really really pretty and really worthwhile mm. especially for something that if you've done everything in London and you want something else it's a it's a nice little one to, to go yeah. and see absolutely yeah. and there you go fabulous thank you Em podcast pedestal podcast pedestal what's it gonna be <sighs> So I think okay. <laughs> I what do I want to go for? I think I I'm quite tempted to go for the sealed knot gang Ooh, that Elizabeth yeah. was part of. Yeah, that's a good one. Because I think there must have been so many whispers and conversations in Ham House. And I think it was probably a time when you didn't really know if you could trust somebody. Yeah, definitely. You know, if somebody says, I'm on the side of the royals, are you? Are you really? You know, and I th- I, I quite like the fact that she was cosying up to Oliver Cromwell. I was going to say, I like that. And then delivering information about Cromwell to the gang. Yeah. Because they probably would have really have loved her being in the circle and say, right, sit down, Elizabeth. What did he say? What did, yeah. you know, did you get anything out of him this time? What are you thinking? <laughs> and she's like, well, you touched my knee. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good call. Yeah. Good choice. I think that's a brilliant one. Yeah, I'm going to go for the sealed knot. What are you going to go for? Well, I, I quite, I do quite like the whole Elizabeth thing. And I quite like maybe, I mean, it's, I suppose it's a little bit linked. I don't know if this is maybe, um, crossing over a little bit but I quite like the idea of him and her sitting in the garden yeah at Ham House you know when you mentioned that she would sort of spend time in the garden with him um, I quite like that idea oh, I don't, I don't, yeah I think what do I want yeah no I think I, I think I quite like that because I like the idea of them yeah sitting in these gardens and, and being all sort of you know lovey-dovey and cosy um, when there's more going on which I suppose is kind of the same thing isn't it but so it's like a different end of it. I don't know. Does, can we have both of those? Do they go together? I think so. Yeah? Yeah, I'd say you allowed that. But let's say Elizabeth's garden flirtations. Okay. I think is, uh, is a good one. And then yes. it's a good way to sort of phrase Because I'm going it, for the gang itself. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Yeah, perfect. Let's do that. Elizabeth's garden flirtations. The Wheel of Destiny. So, are you ready for the wheel? Let's do it. Let's do it! <laughs> Alex, would you believe it's landed on somewhere new? Oh God, well, I don't even know what your new ones are that you've put on, so <laughs> heaven forbid. This one was Richmond. Oh. Elephant and Castle. Ooh, Elephant and Castle. Actually, that's quite a good one. Um, I'm happy with that one. I was a bit panicked when you said new. Um, Elephant and Castle. I do have a couple of things on my potentials list for that. Uh, let's have a quick look. Um, oh, I tell you what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the 40 elephants. The 40 elephants? Yeah, the 40 elephants. At Elephant and Castle? At Elephant and Castle. Yeah. I have no idea about this. Good. I'm I'm going to just... Shall, shall, I tell it, shall I tell you what it is or shall I... No. No. 40 elephants. The 40 elephants. Shall I keep everyone guessing until next week? Don't Google it. 
I'm not going to Google it. Nobody Google it. Nobody Google it. Yeah, shall I just shall I just leave it dangling as the vortex? Just elephants? leave it dangling. All right, let's do that then. 40 That's next elephants. week's forty elephants. Brilliant. Cool. Yeah. So just a little reminder: the um, registration for the live one is up on the website. Just go and pop your details in, and you'll get a link. The places are limited, just to the number of people we can fit on Zoom. So if you do want to come, um, go and pop your name down. Um, and that's about it, really. I think. <laughs> It's free, obviously. And yes, it's Zoom. free, and it's it's going to be fun. There's going to be a game, guys. There's going to be a <laughs> game. Alex doesn't know this yet, but there's going to be a game. Emily doesn't know this. It's going to be another game. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun. It'll be good. Celebrate hundred yes. episodes with us. But like we say, if you don't turn up, then uh, that's it. We're pulling the plug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please turn up. I'm really enjoying the pod. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got a huge list of things to get through. Yeah, exactly. And at such a list, and I'm aware as well that people have messaged asking us to put things on the list. They are, trust me, on the list. Um, <laughs> we will get to see them, I promise. <laughs> Do you not want to see the list? <laughs> yeah, honestly, so much on there. 80 things on it, on mine alone. Yeah. Hmm. Fab, so that is it for this week. Thank you all so much for coming and listening. We'll see you next week for a bit of elephant fun. Elephant fun. Brilliant. Bring it on, Nelly the Elephant. Yay! Bye! Bye!